Source, your home for the end of last week's episode. I'm Nathan, your onlyest host. I guess that's it. I'm the only one here right now. But um, I was thinking of saying something clever, you know, coming up with some stuff. But this is still a pretty intense episode, and I'm going to get right into it. So thanks for coming back, and here we go. I want to bring something up that's tangentially related, but I think it's worth talking about with the three of us here. Um, Seeing as we are three white male dudes, um, and last week we invited three black friends of ours, two of mine, (laughs) of ours, I'm kidding, um, to, to speak, and... I know that there is, whenever these issues of, like, Black Lives Matter comes up, people say, well, all lives matter, and yes, but black lives are the ones that are being threatened, and um, who should be speaking up? Should white people be speaking up? Should, what do, what is white people's role in this movement right now? Um, And I know that it's very easy, and I I know I felt this way myself um, when, like in 2014 when things kind of started bubbling up. Um, and I've sort of... Well, <laughs> rephrase that too, because like... bubble. What up, I mean is bubbling like, up into the mainstream conversation. Right. Yeah, no, I understand and what you meant, but... I think there, it's that it can be very easy for a concerned, caring white person who wants to help and wants to be a part of the solution to start to feel like their voice is not valued at all. Hmm. It's hard to know how to be an ally. But I think what I mean, what I've heard from other friends and what we heard from Lolita and Angela and Michael is that, yeah, our voices are welcome. In fact, they're required because it's not up to black people to fix these problems because they weren't the ones who caused them in the first goddamn place. Mm-hmm. So... It's going to be need to be everybody working together to fix it. And that that definitely includes white voices. Now, the thing is, and we've sort of talked about this amongst ourselves before in all of human history, basically, but certainly for the entire history of the United States, there's been no lack of white voices on any given subject. And so I think part of what we did last week, I we all clearly have opinions and those opinions are valid and those opinions should be stated, but this is a time for also amplifying black voices. I think we've we've heard that phrase a variety of places, and that was part of what we did last week, but also Lolita and Angela and Michael are all experts. The same way Jess is an expert on microbiology, Angela and Lolita and Michael are all experts on what it is to live the black experience here in America, and that's not anything that the three of us have any amount of expertise on. Right. We know what it's we know what it's like to be a, a white person living in a inherently racist society, right. and we have we have that perspective, and I think that perspective is valid, and we can and do seek out education and like mm-hmm. talking with friends about this stuff and making sure that we are as and God, I hate to use this word, but I'm going to do it in quotes, woke 
as possible on this stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, there is a place for everybody's voice, and people shouldn't feel like they can't express their, their views, but no one to step up and no one to step back. Yeah, I think, you know, just to... Because I like analogies and I like geometric figures. A pyramid has four sides. Even if you can only see two of them at a time, those other two sides are just as there and they're just as important to that pyramid. And I think there's a time, you know, you you have to walk all the way around the pyramid to really get understand it and its importance. So... Um, that is to say, importance for the docking of alien spaceships for the destruction of <laughs> mankind. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> That's your second alien reference. This yeah, episode. I, I'm just hoping that we're gonna get. Just please get take me out of here. This world has really gotten <laughs> me. I'm not gonna say down because it's, that's not really the right word, but the struggle is so constant that I am just always exhausted over the last couple of weeks, even though like I'm not doing much. So anyway, but yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of bring that up because I know I have felt that I know Pat, you've expressed that you felt that you've, you have felt that way during uh, the last few weeks with all of these things going on. And like, I absolutely totally get it. And I think it's important for everyone to know that no voices are, are being silenced or no voices should be silenced. Right. Um, but but certain voices deserve to be amplified right now <laughs> over other voices. I will say there are definitely some voices that I would like to fucking stop tweeting, though. I don't think I'm charged up about this issue in the same way that you guys seem to be very passionate about it. I obviously recognize that there are problems that need to be solved. I'm very focused on the nuts and bolts of working out solutions um Mm -hmm. as far as like the the protesting and the writing goes like to me that that really seems self-defeating to me on its on its face Um, you mean the you mean both or do you just mean the rioting the 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 rioting in particular i i think that protesting is is good um i think it's it's maybe a little bit of a dangerous time to be protesting because of the coronavirus but um i i think that when you know when violence gets involved that you're not convincing people in the same way anymore yeah one thing i did want to bring up is part of the way you effectively protest is by making people uncomfortable and this is definitely working i think a lot of people feel very uncomfortable right now and the other thing is I hate to, like, I keep on hearing people use violence in association with the protesters. And I've been looking, and I haven't seen it. I'm not saying that no one has committed acts of violence. I've seen a lot of acts of vandalism. I've seen a lot of acts of looting and things like that. But almost, virtually almost the only violence I've seen is from police officers or thugs with badges, if you will. Right, that's what I was going to say is, is um, there's been many acts of violence, but it's mostly come from the pigs with tear gas. I shouldn't right. say pigs. That's me, and, and I don't want to be mean. I mean, you can call them pigs. I just don't want 
I mean, that's fine. No, that's not. I'm I'm not comfortable with having. Okay, said do you that. want us to bleep you? I shouldn't have said well, that. There's there's no. a there's a thing that comes up after the uh, after the credits of this episode. Yeah, right. <clears throat> no, but I I think and pigs also has a weird etymology. I looked it up because I was curious, and it's basically like a pig is just like something somebody that somebody something that somebody didn't like in the early 1800s in England. And then <laughs> it sort of got carried over to like police in England, and then it got carried over here uh, because it became popular during protests and riots. People started like writing "pig" on their signs, and then it mm. got popular here, and it sort of continued. But I've never understood why cops were called pigs because I didn't get the reference. And turns out it doesn't like it doesn't really have anything to do with pigs other than. It had to do with a phrase about how people didn't like pigs. Now, I, I will say, I do think that the point has been thoroughly proven by the fact that they are, like, uh, rubber-bulleting people in the face and, uh, you know, shooting tear gas at people who are completely minding their own business, doing, doing absolutely nothing wrong. Um, we've seen a lot of media, like, their cameras get punched or broken taken away from them uh completely minding their own business and getting arrested or getting uh manhandled i mean i think that from all of this we have seen there is definitely a problem uh of police brutality and uh, you know it's it's just been furthering that point it's just been driving that point home yeah so mm -hmm. i mean that yeah, is yeah, certainly 100%. true yeah Let's see. What happened here? Police murder some black people in the middle of the street. There's protests, which at first anyway were very peaceful, but angry, but peaceful right. against police brutality. Police respond with tear gas, rubber bullets, tanks in Washington, D.C. I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with your timeline at all. The police completely withdrew, and a police station was burned to the ground. Like, several buildings were burned to the ground. This was after the police had decided to extricate themselves from the situation right. entirely. That's, so, that's true. So, I mean, I, I completely disagree with your timeline there. Police. But they, I will also say the police were also allowed by the crowd to extricate themselves as well. The the point the po crowd's point wasn't to hurt police officers it was to damage property right there was no violence there was arson there was property destruction but there was no violence and it hasn't and... come up today but um you know I do want to point out that um a lot of people are saying that the violence is not even necessarily coming from the protesters themselves at all. Um, right, that right. it that it is outsiders that are coming in. Um, like a couple of different names have come up, but uh, things like Antifa, um, things like uh, you know potentially yeah. undercover police or off-duty officers that are there to rile up the situation, anarchists, um, people from not from the communities that are just coming in from outside communities to just throw a brick through a window so i think it's yeah. important that we distinguish that um these these protesters and the 
anarchist movement that has been coming along, like tagging along with it. These are two completely different, distinct groups. I, I don't well, even think there's any crossover between the two. There, there's even been this pretty, pretty well um, documented by journalists, like a complete just. It's like there's two shifts. There's a, a day shift that peace that just protests peacefully with signs and chants and songs and and things like that, and and then there's a night shift that tends to respond more aggressively. But I think that's hugely damaging to the cause, and maybe you don't have any control over that because these people are tagging along, but it, it's to me that damages your 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 vision, your reputation. I think that that so, is a bad look. I okay. mean, I kind of like the look myself. but Okay, so I'm going to feel bad if I don't bring up this point of view. This is one thing we're seeing as in the media of trying to separate the protesters from the looters, from the rioters, because what it does is anytime you see this violence, these 600 plus videos, anytime you see these police booting somebody in the head or uh, hitting them in the face with a tear gas canister or bashing them with a shield, you get to think to yourself, Oh, that was just a rioter. It's not a big deal. They, they weren't doing that to protesters. I'd also say that I think looting and rioting, as much as it sucks to think about, is a valid form of protest. Because it is, in some cases, the only thing that will get people's attention. There's an argument uh, that I've heard a couple of different times uh, in this week that has sort of changed my mind on it which is there's a social contract between us. And part of that contract is if we call the police, if any of the three of us call the police, we have a reasonable expectation when the police show up that they are going to go ahead and treat us with some modicum of respect. They're not going to see us as a threat. They're not going to shoot us. And that situation is not going to end potentially in violence. That is not a reasonable expectation that specifically black men, but any person of color in this country gets to have. And so the social contract has been broken by police. And the question is, if that social contract is broken and you're not going to protect me if I need your help, you're not going to help me if I have a situation where I need you. Instead, it's quite the opposite, where I have to fear you for my life. What the f*** is my motivation to follow that social contract. Why yeah. why shouldn't why shouldn't I go out and loot? Why the hell no, shouldn't nobody, I go out and riot? Nobody, there's there's nobody a, who is looting is that thoughtful about it. Because nope. you're not you're not well and I want to hear your point, but if I can just finish this real quick, you're not following through with your part of the contract. Why should I follow through with mine? Because I I can't get a decent job. My neighborhood sucks. The schools suck. You're going to come into my neighborhood and threaten me with violence every time I call you. Why the f*** am I not going to go out and try and get a little something for myself? Because you're you're clearly not following your part. Why should I follow my part? And that's the argument. So no, nobody who's going out and, and looting 
has thought about this as thoroughly as you as you seem to believe. On on the flip side, what is the result of the looting? When you see that on news, when you see that on like people's video camera footage, when you see that on people's phones, what does that make you think? I mean, what what does that do for the image of the movement as a whole? I think it's terribly damaging. I think it's it's the worst thing that you could be doing. Why? I guess, but the people who are getting uncomfortable because of it haven't changed anything for the last 250 years. Why would they? Pat, why do you think it's... Why do you see it as damaging to the cause? It's... The vision of it is bad. It is... Why? Why? So, like, what what I'm having trouble understanding no, I, or... But, but like, Andy, for what it's worth, I agree with him. I think he's right. It does make the movement look bad. It, it, means, that, it means that you're not there... Is that... Like, I don't know that that's there, a problem. Um, ...having anything to do with George Floyd. It means that you're there because you wanted a TV or you wanted whatever it is that you, you know, that you looted. Like, I... Maybe I'm not the right person to be talking about it, but I, I don't think that that is a good look for the movement as a whole. Well, I think you you represent – so you're exactly where I was two weeks ago, I think. I think you are probably where most of the country still is. I'm not saying that that's like a devolved opinion or anything. I'm not saying that you don't have – a, a total right to that frame of mind or that opinion. But I've been, I've been trying to listen to this stuff and it, it's, it's rough. It's more complicated than we so think. So I'm really just kind of shocked to hear you guys so cavalier about it. Like, Oh yeah, no, I mean, that's what they should be doing. Like we should encourage that. That is a valid form of protest. That's what should be going on. Like, I mean, can't both things be wrong? I mean, can't there be a, a legitimate reason that we need to be protesting and a problem that we need to solve, but also that the solution is not, you know, anarchy, uh, just doing whatever you want, like just abandoning any kind of rules of civilization? So, yeah, go ahead. Okay. There's a few kind of points I want to try to address here. One is I don't, I have yet to have, to, for, to, I have not yet heard anyone provide a detailed explanation of why they say that that's damaging to the cause. That's not to say that I don't think there is an argument. I just haven't had it articulated yet. So what I can say is I can say why I think it is a benefit to the cause. And I think there's no doubt about it that there are pros and cons. It benefits and it detracts from the cause of fighting police brutality. So I think the best, for me anyway, it's let's lay out the goods, lay out the bads, and see, and we can fall wherever we may, uh, you know, in terms of weighting them. But for me, 
I look at some of the benefits of looting and and rioting and um, burning down the police precinct, and I think one of the one benefit is it gives the whole argument teeth that it wouldn't have without. Um, it is the the dagger hidden behind the back, so to speak. It's the um, the the hammer that can drop, if you will, um, which is absolutely crucial to um, to actually getting something done, getting improvements made, getting changes made. Um, it has we have been watching for years and years and years all of the inaction that results from peaceful, polite, kind protests. So I do, I think that lending the cause teeth is a very important function. Second, a, a, another benefit that I see is it draws a line in the sand. It, it provides a, there's that iconic or what will become iconic image of the third precinct just aflame. Um, I think that that when we look back on this, that image will be seen as a turning point, a point of this is when when that third precinct burned down, people were resolved that things needed needed to change. And so for a kind of a rallying flag kind of standpoint, I think it's a huge and very broad-reaching benefit to the cause. Um, and thirdly, I think, in a sort of a... a th- and, and, and lastly, in terms of just what I'm listing off right now anyway, I think there's more benefits, but I'll stop after this. Um, I think it serves sort of an, an ironic sort of... Um, not sarcastic, but I don't know what the word I want here is... Um, sort of statement in the vein of where's your police now okay so so you were asking for a reason why it's bad visibility why it's a bad look to me the reason that it's bad visibility is because myself and anyone else that is like thinking of the same of the same mindset that I am and is looking at this cause like oh you know that that seems like a reasonably good cause that seems like something that we should get behind uh I am appalled when I see that like that doesn't fire me up and 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 get me excited to go out to a rally I don't want to have anything to do with it. I would rather stay home. That's interesting. So I guess for me, and and right. because I it it did fire me up and it got me to go to a rally, um, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, for for me, and maybe this is just sort of like a mindset thing. Maybe hmm. we need yeah. to talk about it in a very because uh, this bit. is already a long episode. But I'm, I don't care. I think this is a fantastic conversation, right. and I'm yeah. I'm ready to stick with it longer if we need to if you guys are so if, um, if there's so if there's enough what i was going to say is just just to f- complete that thought sorry pat 
But, um, what it did for me was it, it really showed me that there's some momentum behind this. There is a lot of force behind this movement right now. And if I, if maybe I throw in with them, if every, if other people feel the same way I do and throw their lot in with this cause, and rally behind this this momentum, maybe we can get some real change done. Right. So uh, that was my mindset. That's all. So if if there's enough people that are thinking the same way that I am, if there's enough people who are looking at it this like, huh, you know, that seems like a relatively good thing um, to support, but I don't want to have anything to do with uh, you know burning down buildings and setting police cars on fire and looting of all things like mm-hmm. uh, you know that 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 is why it is bad visibility it, it is bad visibility because normal law-abiding citizens who just want to get on with their day um might go protest and they might vote and they might um you know participate in their communities and they might per, you know uh like try to make solutions to problems, but um, they're not they're not out there looting a target. They're not out there burning a police precinct to the ground. So I don't have I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to so, be part of the crowd that was involved in doing that. So there's a couple of things. First of all, it's complicated, right? Because we're talking about individuals. Yeah. At like a few, like a sprinkling of individuals from hundreds of thousands of people, possibly like hundreds of thousands, if not millions, mm. have physically come out to protest. And what we see is what is eye candy for the news. And what that is is fire. There's a there's a great picture from six years ago when the riots happened before it's a trash can that's been turned down and it's on fire. And what the picture is, is one photographer who stood back and took a picture of the eight other photographers who were kneeled down to take a picture of the trash can that was on fire in the middle of a completely clean street. Otherwise, because that, that fiery trash can was what, what represented ratings or like, sales or newspapers or whatever so what we're seeing is meant to look like it's everywhere but it's a very small percentage of what we've been seeing the other weird thing is everywhere i've been seeing police violence is against peaceful protesters against those lines of peaceful protesters every time you see looting you don't see a damn cop in sight almost (laughs) never unless they're undercover because that's not where they're putting their resources to yeah, right. unless they I were think the ones that who broke the window. To what happens when there are no rules anymore? When when you've decided like we're not going to enforce any right. laws, we're fucking off and abandoning our precinct. I th- I think you see exactly what happens. Well, right, but the other point I would argue is the way you're feeling right now is exactly how you should be feeling. It's you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. This is not supposed to feel good because the thing is people who want to get on with their day is exactly what's been happening for the history of our country. 
You're not supposed to want to get on with your day. You're supposed to feel uncomfortable. Okay, yeah, to think about nothing of that. Nothing of that makes me particularly want to be, as you described it, an ally. I understand that, but I will say that at the very least, it, 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 even if it doesn't make you want to join forces, it made it has made everyone talk about it. It is on everyone's lips. It is all anybody's talking about. The, the global pandemic that has killed thousands and hospitalized millions across the world is backburner news because of these riots and the looting and destruction, right. not because of people painting murals about black, saying Black Lives Matter on the streets. I don't think that it, they are unrelated. I don't think and it has nothing to do with the pandemic. I think it has everything to do with the pandemic. I think, sure. Yeah, people, you wouldn't have that many people out. It's because people are unemployed. People have more time. People, that's one of the reasons why so many people have been out. And it gives gives them something to focus on that they haven't had for months. I think, but I also think, and let me be crystal god clear here. I am not including you with this, Pat. But there are people out there who... There's let me say this. There's nobody out there who was thinking before, well, I didn't think that black lives mattered before, but now that these nice people are peacefully protesting in the streets, I'm going to go ahead and vote for them. The like the people who are feeling the way you're you're describing weren't going to be won over by a peaceful protest anyway. So making them feel uncomfortable is the only option left. Largely, they weren't going to be. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be a few. There's always exceptions to everything. And I, yeah, look, it's supposed to galvanize. It's supposed to um, make you feel uncomfortable, like Nathan said. It's supposed to get you talking about it. It's supposed to get these issues on the front page. And it's done that. So... I guess what I'm kind of saying is I don't think you're wrong, Pat. Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I don't think you're wrong at all, Pat, that I think uh, there are probably a pretty sizable chunk of people who would probably be mobilized to go out and protest peacefully but are turned off by the violent other side of the coin. But I think that the losses there are just outweighed by the benefits gained from those protests, That the way they are. That's just where I stand on it. Right, and the complicated thing is sort of like what you were saying, Pat, is like, I promise you, not a single protest organizer was like, all right, come for the day. Bring your kids, go ahead and protest, and then after dark, we're going to go ahead and smash some right. windows. And I, I think that that's... Like, they, like you I said, they that don't have any control I think that's unfair also that there's, there's outside forces that are hijacking that. I wonder what the spillover is of people Can, who attend both. Yeah, you know, I don't... I think it would... I think not only is it important to point out that there are outside agitators who are instigating... And, and perpetrating some of these acts of vandalism and violence. But I also think it's really important to not strip away the agency of the very angry, hurt, and upset black people who are doing these things. 
they are out, there are a lot of people, uh, you know, black or, or, or just allies, proper allies who are, um, who are vandalizing and who are maybe not, there's not really any acts of violence going on, but they're doing the vandalism and, and things like that. Um, and I've heard a, a lot of black people with big platforms, um, who have been very clear in saying, like, attributing this just to outside agitators takes a lot of the sting out of what we're, the anger we're feeling and trying to sort of convey, I, if that I, makes any I sense. Don't, I don't think that that message becomes any better than, like, it, it, if, we're, if we're not going to attribute it to outside forces and we're going to... Uh, not take away agency and and make sure that you know that that's anger that's felt. Then I want even less to do with that. I think that's a little that's kind of sad, but I do so, understand it. I get it. I yeah. I, I totally understand that. I think so. If I can give the world's worst <laughs> analogy for a second, because I I think my views on this have changed about three or four times over the last week and a half. Over the last hour and a half. Um, and there's an excellent chance... Yeah, there's an excellent chance that they're going to change in the next week and a half to two weeks to year to the rest of my life. But the way I'm feeling about it now is... Uh, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Jack Bauer and 24 for a second, shall we? So uh, 24 was a popular television show, especially amongst conservatives for a long time. Jack Bauer was uh, a thug with a badge. He was a very, very bad cop. Uh, but he would do things uh, over the course of a 24-hour period. Seemingly once a year, he'd have to stay up for 24 hours, stop terrorists or something. And every once in a while, there'd be a terrorist and there'd be a nuclear weapon somewhere in the city. And he had no choice but to torture that terrorist and get the information and i think in large part because of that show a lot of conservatives argued that torture should be legal that's what we got out of the bush administration cheney talked about it all the time uh and i was always of, uh, under the opinion that jack bauer at least in this fictional world because it doesn't work in real life but in the fictional world that Jack Bauer and 24 were in, uh, torturing the terrorists could go ahead and get you the information you need to save the city. And I always felt like, all right, go ahead and torture the terrorists and then go to jail. Like, that's that's what civil disobedience is. You know, like, if you if there's a law and you shouldn't break it and you break it anyway because it's necessary... Good, it was necessary, but now there are consequences of the thing you did. I kind of feel like the rioters and looters, if we find out who they are, they should probably face consequences. I would be lenient on them, but that's not going to be my job. And right now I feel like maybe what they're doing is necessary. Maybe there's some, like there, there's an excellent reason why looting and vandalism work. But that's not to say that I think well, they should get off scot-free. I'm not going to, I'm certainly not going like, to judge are, him for are, are it. Are we seriously yeah. having the conversation you know, like, of like, that this is the right thing to do, that this is the best 
strategy that we have and that this yes. is something that should be celebrated and is great. I I don't feel that way. I completely disagree. You don't have to feel that way. I to- I, I 100% understand why you don't feel that way. And I don't think that you are a bad person for feeling that way. I don't think that you are like, oh, you just haven't come around yet for feeling that way. Like, I don't want to invalidate that feeling at all. It is totally and completely reasonable for you to not want to have a part of any movements that have a notable, violent, and and destructive swing to them. Like, you're good. Can we can we separate those two things? Because you can't be violent against a thing. So I have not seen that violence from these. Well, that's why I said violent and destructive. Although, um, well, what I'm saying is just just destructive, not violent. uh, I haven't seen that. I I let's can we agree on like juries out on that one we haven't really there's at least one i think there's reason to believe that there is uh civilian instigation with the police i don't know the i don't think we've seen it i have seen i have seen i've seen 200 videos over the last two weeks and i have not seen a single act of instigation from a rioter i'm not saying yeah that's the thing is i'm not comfortable just saying like well we haven't seen it so it hasn't happened there's at least one person who was shot and killed in Mm. minneapolis outside of a pawn shop during the rioting yeah i mean so that's at least Uh, one person i remember that that was by the pawn shop Um, owner if i'm not mistaken it was by the owner of the pawn. so there you go well still that's the point is even yeah if there is right. here, let me say it this way: um, the whatever I was saying before, the dot 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 um, violence and destruction that has been caused by the protests and rioting. <laughs> I mean, yes, as long as I get to say I object I, to your well, phrasing I of that. Well, I tried to phrase it so ahead. that you wouldn't. Like, there's. The, well, you keep on you stop using the word. But violence, there has been violence. It's and and and. Split. I'm just saying I haven't seen it, and that's well, all I've been doing. For hold on, let weeks. me finish this sentence then, because I it, I think it's relevant. Uh, there has been violence, but the question as to who is responsible, f- if if we're leaving it open as to who's responsible for it, the the I'm not limiting it to just violence from the looters. Violence as a result of the looting, even if instigated by cops, makes better. Whatever. Anyway, I guess mm. it doesn't matter. All right. Kind, kind of. I mean, I, have, I I'm just saying I haven't seen it. I've seen I've seen two two hundred officers more than that commit violence against protesters. Have you looked looters, for rioters, it? whatever you want to call them? And I haven't seen any have violence in the it? other direction. At least not violence that wasn't instigated. Okay. From the have have you? And the violence that I'm talking about is like throwing a water bottle at a okay. squad car. Have you looked for that, or because I know that you've been looking for yes. the footage of police violence against civilians? I've been I trying don't... to see everything I can, and again, I'm not saying that there's 
no violence from protesters. That's that's not my thing because I haven't been able to see anything. I I know I've okay, seen but a you just objected to me there. using the word. But what violence. I'm saying is right. it's I mean, not. Yeah, because it's not widespread. It does not represent the movement Except, in any way, shape, or form. It is widespread. It's widespread among the police. I can tell you that for goddamn sure. But I haven't but seen Pat, any of it from the looters. To Pat's I've point, perception is reality in a lot of cases. Yeah, but also perception is bullshit in this case because I keep on seeing it and I keep on asking at least conservatives that have been having conversations with on Facebook. They keep on talking about how like officers mm. are being shot in the head and how yeah. these looters are so violent and killing people. And it's bullshit. It does okay. not exist. All right, we're on the same page. Okay, so um, I did have a kind of a, a story I wanted to share, and I, I kind of referenced it earlier saying that some of the things that happened, specifically the, the burning of the precinct, really kind of fired me up bah, 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 uh, to go out and protest myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, can I joke about that? I don't know. Uh, so... I went down to the protest on Saturday. Now, this was a week ago, week and a half ago now. Uh, we're here recording on the 10th. This would have been somewhere right around, what, the 30th, I think, I went? Whatever the date was. Um, <clears throat> downtown Cleveland. I went and I parked um, over off of Euclid and East 4th. Um, because I just wanted to kind of find a place to park kind of far away, and I wanted to be able to be on foot as I kind of figured out what, what had been going on. So I had changed clothes after work uh, into much more movable clothes, more protective clothes. I had a hoodie, and I had jeans, and I had sneakers. Um, I did not have – I had a mask, um, a cloth mask, but I didn't have any sort of eye protection, and I do wear contacts. So I knew – I was going to stay a ways, you know, I wasn't going to like get in there and start like moshing with the police. Um, which is what I imagine protests are. It's pretty much just a big mosh pit. So, so I got out of my car and there were some people walking around. So I, and they were carrying like Black Lives Matter signs and stuff like that. They had masks. So I, I asked them, Hey, you know, what, what's going on? Is it everything kind of broken up? The protest had started around 2 o'clock, but I couldn't get there until about 4.30. So um, what they told me was that there, no, it hadn't been broken up, that the there were people by the free stamp who were um, hanging out, um, you know, sort of the aftermath of the, of the, the speakers and the, the rally. But that the police had started using tear gas. And so I wasn't really clear as to what had been going on. So I wanted to get a little bit closer. So I did. Um, and then I was closer. Um, as I came up to... So the way I approached was kind of through the um, where the Huntington Convention Center is. And... For any non-Clevelanders listening, I, I realize that this is not super helpful. But basically, what I found was I came out into kind of right smack in between 
uh, a more aggressive protest and a peaceful protest. So off to my right, I could see where the free stamp was, and there's just people milling around, they're talking to each other, they're getting water, they're getting, like, cleaned up a little bit. Um, there were people... And Andy, what I'll, Andy, what I'll do is I'll include a um, Google Maps uh, oh, overhead cool. satellite view of downtown Cleveland and the areas you're talking about so people can follow that's along great. with that's what a, you're talking That's about. a great idea, and I took some pictures while I was out there, too, as well. Um, I took some pictures of what was going we'll on. Yeah. Sure to get those in the um, so at the free stamp, there were a lot of people. Um, there was a couple like kind of tents set up. There was there were water stations. There was a first aid station. There were some people climbing up on the free stamp and taping their signs onto it. Stuff that you know, like the names of people who had been killed by police, or or their their protest signs because they didn't want they they wanted to leave it there instead of take it with them or whatever. Um. And I, I started chatting with a few people. Um, it was just really interesting. It was um, very peaceful, very conscious, very um, intentional, if that makes sense. Um, controlled, maybe, is the right word. But the cool, kind of interesting, kind of cool thing was you. I could see... From where I was, I could see where there was a couple hundred people um, in a much more combative protest with the police. And and that was down by where the Justice Center is. And and for those of you who don't know, the Justice Center is the, uh, the, the um, detention center downtown. It's the prison downtown. Um, and I had heard reports before heading down there that the... <laughs> The inmates in the Justice Center had been, like, pounding on the windows and, and really kind of, they were getting fired up inside the prison. So I didn't get very close to all that. I wandered over there a little bit to investigate, but, I mean, I could see clouds of green and black smoke coming up. They had, they had lit a police car on fire. Now, it's not clear who lit the police car on fire. In fact, the general, um, consensus at least was at the time that it had gotten hit with a flash grenade and or a um a tear gas canister that had ignited it somehow um and that it was not the protesters fault at all there's a great article so if i can say two things first of all the justice center which was prominently featured in the second season of the podcast serial uh not in a great light but still prominently featured um, and also, again, in the doobly-doo, uh, there is a fantastic article from uh, News 5 Cleveland where they include uh, protest videos and show exactly where the the uh, protest turned into a riot and the outside agitators that caused it and how they caused it. It's fantastic. So I'll make sure to put that in the cool. doobly-doo. Um yeah, so so I go ahead. I was just gonna say it's like some of the best. It's local, but it's some of the best journalism I've seen. Really well laid out, like explanations and videos for everything. It gives you a good idea of how this happened because it's so complicated. There's so many people. Um, oh, that's cool. Great. So anyway, in the duplicate. So yeah. So so they. 
I went over kind of that way, but I didn't get close enough to be even in tear gas range, really. Um, even like from drift. Um, but it was definitely much more aggressive. I mean, just the people who were over there had a more confrontational, you know, they were, they were in police's face. They were, police were up on the, uh, 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 I think on the roof or something, launching tear gas canisters. And stuff. Like they were basically in combat. They were peaceful in the sense that they were not fighting with anyone. There was no physical violence, but the tone was definitely violent. So I bounced back and forth a little bit um, and just wanted to try to talk to people and document what I could and took pictures as best I could. Uh, and, and I hung around there for like 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Um, I knew I wasn't going to be able to get into the protest, so... That was never on the table. Um, so I just kind of got what information I could. I, I spent some time kind of like chanting with the crowd a little bit. Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, yeah. Oh, awesome. you know what? Let me also, I should mention what kind of spurred me to leave. I was getting ready to wrap up anyway. But um, there were some much louder than... So there were explosions going on in the background this whole time. You would hear like a a, a, a bang. Um, and it was either, you know, police were using flash grenades and tear gas, um, both of which make a, a, a loud sound when they go off or whatever, I guess. Um, but for some reason, it's it was bigger. It was louder. And it's... There was one, and then there was another, and then another, and that's when I was like, all right, it's time for me to get the f*** out before I die. That seems like it's probably a good move. Anyway, I think that there are a few people who appreciated that decision. Well, I, I want to say I really appreciate you, like, I really, really appreciate you going down and getting some of the audio you got that i don't know that it would have occurred to me to be able to record that stuff i mean i appreciate your praise but like i i didn't do much um and we talked at the beginning of the episode about like the that that meme that you know welcome to the protest choose your class and i'm right there with you nathan that there's a part of me that feels like if i'm not out there being the tank being on the front lines screaming and shouting that I'm not mm -hmm. doing enough, I'm not doing a fair part. And I know that that's nonsense, but there's still a, that part of me that, that feels that way. Oh, no, uh, I just appreciate your uh, journalistic effort. I think that <laughs> you did a good job. Beat a dead thought, reporter on the street. Hey there, gang. Uh, Andy here. Um... Got a little kind of, I guess, adventurous today after work, and I ventured down to the to the Black Lives Matter protests in Cleveland. I was working until four, so I couldn't get there until after all of the uh, like the speakers and the what have you happened. They kind of like 
they they all met up at the uh, at the free stamp downtown and then marched down to the justice center which is to say the prison and by the time i got there everyone had kind of separated the, there was a more peaceful protest going on at the free stamp and a much more violent one going on down by the justice center there were cop cars on fire there was tear gas and i uh I recorded a few kind of little snippets that I'll play for you here. But I gotta say that there's a lot of scary stuff going on right now. And I think the most important thing I want to say to everybody is that it's okay to be scared. It's okay to not know what to think about what's going on and to be confused. I think uh, most of us are. And... If you're feeling that way, just reach out to someone and talk to someone. There's lots of people who also, you know, they just want someone to listen. So here's some uh, little snippets that I recorded, and you can check out some pictures I took in the doobly-doo. I want to thank everybody for being a wonderful audience. Hey there, Be the Dead Sorcerers. This is Andy. I'm headed to the downtown Cleveland protests. Um, I'm at St. Clair in East 6th right now. There's a couple cops directing traffic. It's about 4.30. Um, it seems like most people have, are leaving. The cops have thrown out tear gas. But I'm going to get a closer look and see what's going on. I'm going to stay out of the fray. I'll check in in a little bit. Hey guys, back here. It's now about quarter to five. I'm at East 6th and and Lakeview, Lakeside, Lakeshore, as if I don't live here in Cleveland. Uh, There's f***ing huge clouds of black smoke coming up. I was over at the Free Stamp talking to some people. It was pretty chill over there, but down the street at the Justice Center, the uh, City Hall here, uh, oh, it's going down. There's green smoke. There's black smoke. I heard there was a cop car on fire. I'm gonna get a little bit closer, but I'm gonna keep my distance. I'll let you know. Oh, that was a loud, loud. Ex- gunshot there's some shit oh there's more gas getting fired oh that's bad that's bad alright I'm going to check in later I got to put my phone down okay I'm, uh, I'm outside the Huntington Convention Center I can see the car on fire and plumes of smoke. There's tear gas. There's people handing out extra masks for people's eyes. It's pretty intense. I'm not going to really get any closer than this because I'm a but this is pretty hardcore. Hey, sorcerers. Uh... Checking in, I just got back to my car. It's about quarter after five, so I was there for about 45 minutes. Um, most of the, you know, the, all the speakers had already finished up. 
Um, there are still a whole bunch of people hanging around by the free stamp, posting their, their different, you know, protest signs and stuff up on the free stamp, and, and, uh, there's like a first aid tent with a lot of water, um, you know, just sort of where people could kind of catch their breath, and it was really peaceful and chill, and people were talking and meeting each other and stuff, um, down the street, and I don't honestly know the layout of the building, so whatever, but it was, um, they were outside of the, uh, the prison, that's where the, uh, the action, so to speak, was, they, there was loud explosion-y sounds, not sure quite if they were some kind of gunshot, or it sounded more like an explosion akin to, like, well, I know that they were, they had, um, they had a whole bunch of, they set police cars on fire, uh, so I don't know if that was maybe part of it, also I think the tear, tear gas cannons were making a loud boom, uh, cause they were definitely constantly firing tear gas into the crowd, it was really scary, um, it was really intense, um, and I hope no one was seriously injured today, um, damn the man, anyway, uh, I'm headed home now, so stay safe everybody. Beat a dead thought, reporter on the street. Yeah, that's interesting. Did did you end up taking any tear gas in the face? Did you end up smelling any of that stuff? No. I mean, that's good. I don't like. Don't sound disappointed. That's fantastic. <laughs> you didn't have to do that. Oh right. yeah. I, I but yeah. No, I, I I I wasn't I wasn't there for that. Um, and that also feels a little bit yeah. bad to say because, and and because. This and this is the thought that I had pretty much the entire drive home, um, is that I'm coming out here to check it out and get some pictures and and record some audio for my podcast, right? And I mean, I'm certainly there for the cause as well, and and I'm there to support it. But um, but there is such a it. I was punched in the face by the the privilege i have in my life that that can be the reason why i'm going to a black lives matter protest black people are going to that because they're being killed in the streets they're out pumping gas and have the police called they're they're out trying to make a little extra cash on the street by selling a loose cigarette and get choked to death um yeah, they're probably, like, the thing that's punching them in the face is the police. A cop, yeah. And and so, for me to be able to, A, you know, go after work, and B, leave when I feel a little threatened, and come back home and just follow the rest of the protest on the news, is something that is not lost on me, that I am grateful to right to be in a position in my life and and to to have a life where um those are decisions I feel like I can make and that I'm not letting 
well, I do feel like I'm letting people down by making them, but, um, it, yeah, it, I don't know if that makes really any sense. It's kind of a I think mumble jumble of a thought, but that that you feel like a tourist. One one. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. What's the difference between a mm-hmm. parade and a protest? You know, like it's that it's that uncomfortable feeling. Like you're one thing I heard is for a protest to be successful in some ways, you want to like eat up resources of the police, for example, even if it's just like the hours of their time. And there's some protesters I've heard say like, it's great if they fire tear gas at us or like maybe even rubber bullets, because that means that's one rubber bullet they don't have to use tomorrow. That's one more tear gas canister they can't use tomorrow. It, it dissuades them from being able to do that. Like the cops should be uncomfortable about this stuff. Um, but what I was going to say is something I, I have always believed, and I certainly believe about this, maybe not for myself, because whatever, I'm a sadomasochist, but for everybody else, is like, do what you can. Like, whatever level of thing you can do that you do, if it's talking to somebody on Facebook or giving $5 to a bail fund or talking to somebody who maybe hasn't seen this the same way you do that there's value in that and so like i would say there was to me there's tremendous value in what you did and so i would say that like don't sell yourself short on that just because you you didn't get in as deep as you would have liked or maybe you think you should have uh, you make a good point i guess i probably should go ahead and accept that medal of honor um (laughs) I was thinking you were a madman <laughs> when you when you said you were going. You thinking I was a what? A mad lad that you should get the oh. uh, the mad lad, mad uh, lad medal for for mad lads. <laughs> I'll go ahead and put <laughs> I'll go ahead and put a uh, link to the Reddit the subreddit mad lads in the doobly doo. Oh, is that a Reddit thing? I have no idea what you're talking about. Mad lads are like it's a series of memes of people doing things that they think are badass that are oh, just so normal like jackass. <laughs> oh, that know? wasn't how I was referencing at all, but uh, sure. How were you referencing? Uh, that that he's a lad who's who's insane. Oh, we are we are the I have uh, laid uh, labeled us the bads lads because the bads lads beat a dead source. It's so bads. Bad. But I listen anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, um, can I ask just one more question? I was wondering, when you're at the protest, did you have a chance to talk to anybody? Like, did yeah, you... a few people. That's awesome. Did any of them share any like precious moments with you? Uh, yeah. Precious moments. Do you want to share that with us? Awesome. <laughs> well, maybe. No, but I brought it. my own precious moment. Oh, there you go. <laughs> nice. See, that's that's how you do a transition. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll, I'll just go ahead and go first since I, I led into it. Um, yeah. So my, my, my precious moment is, is a headline recently, and I'm going to just pull it up here really quickly. Um, it's an N- I, I found the story on NPR. I, um, I'm, uh, I don't like pulling from dubious sources, so I try to stick to, like, the relatively down the middle sources this this headline really caught my eye 
hidden treasure chest filled with gold and gems is found in Rocky Mountains. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's a weird place for a pirate to put his treasure, right? But it's true. Not a sky pirate. Maybe not a sky pirate. Yeah, um, after sitting undisturbed for more than ten years. Now, that's that's a curious number there. Ten years. It's not like this is, you know, from like the 1700s or something. No, this is from 2010, this treasure chest. Mm-hmm. A treasure chest holding gold nuggets and precious gems has been found in the Rocky Mountains. The box was hidden by millionaire art dealer Forrest Fenn. His only clues included a map and a poem. But after countless quests, the search is over. So, like, this story just keeps getting better and better. This, some old, like, old rich guy hid a treasure chest with a map and, like, oh, that's so... And he apparently, he apparently went back, like, multiple times over the years and would, like, add some gems or some gold dust <laughs> yeah. or would, like make sure it hadn't been like messed with or anything like you remember was wasn't it back in like the 90s or something when there was um db cooper or something that was like the 70s was it the 70s it was uh definitely a long time before my time um pat this seems like do you know about db cooper this guy seems like right up your alley i don't guy so all right uh if, from do you know the story? No, go ahead. Well, go ahead. at all, go for it. I, I mean, I don't very under, vaguely. I don't fully understand it, but fact check, fact check, fact check. And welcome back to fact check. Thought you'd get away from me, did you? No fact checks this episode, so I thought, why not an overly detailed account of the story of DB Cooper? In 1971, the night before Thanksgiving, a man named Dan Cooper in a stylish black suit walks on to a Boeing 737-100, lights a cigarette, and orders a bourbon and soda. Halfway through the flight, Mr. Cooper hands a note to Florence Schaffner, one of the flight attendants. Ms. Schaffner, thinking that he was trying to slip her his number, puts the note in a pocket. So Mr. Cooper whispers to her, You better take a look at that note. I have a bomb. The note apparently read, quote, I have a bomb in my briefcase. I want you to sit beside me. Mr. Cooper went on to tell her, quote, I want $200,000 by 5 p.m. in cash, put it in a knapsack. I want two back parachutes and two front parachutes. When we land, I want a fuel truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff or I'll do the job. $200,000 works out to be about $1.3 million when adjusted for inflation today. The plane circled the Seattle airport for a couple of hours so that the authorities could gather the ransom together. After landing and getting the money and parachutes, Cooper let all the passengers and two of the flight attendants go, including Schaffner. He told the flight crew to refuel because they were headed for Mexico City, but they were to fly there at 10,000 feet at the slowest possible speed. When the plane took back off, it was flanked by five military jets to keep it company. Cooper sent the entire crew to the cockpit and then opened the door in the back of the plane and presumably jumped into weather at 10,000 feet that was said to be 69 below zero with the wind chill. Police conducted the largest manhunt in U.S. history to try and find Cooper and kept an eye out for the serial numbers on the bills they'd given him. In June of 2018, the FBI claimed they had proof that D.B. Cooper was a Vietnam veteran and U.S. Army paratrooper named Robert Rackstraw from a series of letters written by Rackstraw in the 70s. Rackstraw was an interesting guy. In 71, he was dismissed from the Army for falsifying his college records and lying about his rank and medals. He piloted planes across Iran. 
He was arrested on suspicion of stealing dynamite. He was charged with the murder of his stepfather before being acquitted by a sympathetic jury. In 1978, he faked his own death by crashing a rented airplane and was later caught for passing bad checks. Two years after going to jail, he called up local news stations claiming to be Cooper, only to deny that to a documentary filmmaker later saying it was just a prank. In 2016, the FBI closed the D.B. Cooper case, and then again in 2018, they claimed it was Rackstraw. So, who the hell knows? Anyway, let's get back to the show. Back check, back check, back check. Oh, yeah, actually, I, I have heard this story before, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, t- completely wild. It's so it's I it's one of my favorite like conspiracies. Um and and this guy with his treasure chest just made me think of DB Cooper nonstop and it it's been a ray of sunshine in an otherwise incredibly stormy turbulent couple weeks. <laughs> I think um one thing he said I, I heard him talking, and he was like, I just wanted to put a little more adventure in the world. And I really I really like that way of thinking about it. Yes. Like, that's the kind of millionaire I want to uh, be. But if, or billionaire. Also, just Jeff Bezos, if I could just say that real quick. Um, I would be a billionaire, too. Jeff Bezos could afford to put a billion dollars. That would be in, pretty uh, wicked cool. It, it, wouldn't even, it wouldn't affect his life It wouldn't all. even bankrupt him or anything. He'd be fine. He wouldn't, like, notice. I that was one thing. Apparently, the Target CEO came out and was like, "Stop worrying about Target so much. I could literally like buy a thousand of those, no problem. Yeah. Like, doesn't doesn't matter at all." Yeah. Right. Oh, I actually wanted to say that 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 in with all the looting and stuff and the businesses that have been destroyed, the only responses from business owners I've heard have been silence or. It's okay, don't worry about it. We, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. I have not heard any right. business owners going, oh my god, my whole life, ah! Like, there's, I haven't, maybe I just haven't heard it, but I've only heard and, either nothing or, eh, don't worry there's about it. There's certainly people, there are certainly businesses that were on the brink because of COVID that are just not going to open back up mm-hmm. now. And I want to admit that that sucks that is a bummer that is awful it's a major bummer period (laughs) end of sentence but not uh, yeah anyway all right so that was my precious moment uh so i'm you got some yeah so um so we're still going through revelations and the end times in my bible study and i just gotta (laughs) say real life life. (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) i just gotta say there's there's a plague um, there's, there's rioting and looting and, and burning. Um, all we need now, I guess, would be a big war. And, uh, Man, oh. Trump is trying. Yeah. I don't think we're that far away. <laughs> yeah. And, and some like angels with trumpets, uh, some weird plagues and, um, yeah, a whole bunch of, the, the imagery is really fascinating. Um, so the, the chapter that we just read was about, um, like this, this dragon coming from the sky and like the, there's like a first antichrist and a second antichrist or, or they're called the, the beasts, but like it's, it's supposed to be the antichrist and stuff. It's just really interesting stuff and all the, 
like symbolism that's in there. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it's it's a little ironic that this year, uh, twenty twenty, that we've seen like there's been just like disaster after disaster. It does it does seem like the end is nigh. <laughs> I I've been getting a really big kick out of the twenty twenty bingo cards. I haven't heard of that going around social media, where it's like you know there's like Yellowstone erupts or um, riots right. burn down three cities or uh like trump orders the military against the united states citizenry or like all of these different like total catastrophic things where half of them have happened and the other half are like godzilla attacks and yeah i mean i know it's a big joke to make a a, a, to, to make out like that every president is like Hitler, like compare them to Hitler, or to make out that every president is like the Antichrist, because that's that's a comparison that comes around like, no matter what, no matter how good a job yeah, sure. a president does. Um, but having said that, you know it is <laughs> it is interesting. We are living in interesting times, certainly. No, we're living in bad times. Well, well, no, but that, uh, that's supposed to. Like, I hate that though because, it, like, isn't that supposed to be a curse? May you live in interesting times is supposed to be like one of the worst curses you yeah. can put on a person. Yeah, we're definitely um, going to be able to, you know, tell our grandkids about, um, <laughs> you know, I lived through yeah. twenty twenty. Yeah, like what? How? How was your sourdough starter, Grandpa? Well, I'm right. telling you, we we could really top it off with a cherry with a world war. Um, speaking of signs of the apocalypse, Mitt Romney went to a Black Lives Matter <laughs> protest. Yes, he did. did. Yes, <laughs> like, he did. How is Mitt Romney like? You remember when Mitt Romney like went <laughs> in front of a bunch of people at a private club and on working class Americans and didn't become president in part because of it? There are forty seven percent of the people who vote for the president no matter what. All right, there are 47% who are with him, who are dependent upon government, who believe that, that they are victims, who believe the government has a responsibility to care for them, who believe that they are entitled to health care, to food, to housing, to you name it. But that's, that's an entitlement, and the government should give it to them. And they will vote for this president no matter what. Yeah. Like, how is he... How is he the only guy that will stand up to the Republican Party now? Here's the thing. It's about been fascinating. Mitt Romney is an interesting case, though, because Mitt Romney is a highly principled man. And even though I do not share all of the same principles, he is the kind of person who definitely stands by the principles he holds. And I am, you know, we saw it when he was the one vote in the Senate to convict the president of the treason that the president definitely right. committed. Um, but this is a spine that he's apparently grown fairly recently. I don't know about you know, that. Like he's, he's been, um, I mean, he has been a naysayer of Trump's since Trump announced he was running for office at no point. Has Mitt Romney come out and forcefully defended or advocated for Trump? At best, he would toe the party true. line sometimes, but he has never, he's right there with McCain as being a person who has never hesitated to tell, there is, to say to the president <laughs> that he's full of shit. 
If I can find it, uh, there's a very uh, interesting picture of the two of them having uh, dinner during the campaign oh, yeah. at Mar-a-Lago, where Romney thought he might still have a, a position in the cabinet, and Trump just being like, no, no. And, no, and there's no there's no position for in you. In fact, I believe a caption for for that picture was something along the line of, say your name, my name is Reek. A uh, a Game of Thrones reference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um as a rough that's a rough reference. Yeah. Which um, has also been used then flipped around and used against Trump regarding Putin, that Putin has Trump on a <laughs> leash. Which <laughs> yeah, yeah. seems like it. I think here's here's what I say. Just embrace the P tape. Be like, Yeah, I'm into urine, let's do it. And then suddenly Putin doesn't have anything on you anymore. Yeah. You're good to go. You get to re- he releases the PP tape and everybody already knows about it. If you can survive any number of the things that Trump has uh, survived, PP tape is probably going to make his polls go up like four or five points. Yeah. <laughs> um, <sighs> the last thing uh, is actually I have a, a a little bit of a sad thing for us to end on, which I know is against what we normally do, um, but. I would like to go ahead and have a moment of silence for uh, buffets. Unfortunately, seems like the buffet is going away in America after COVID because they are like one of the best places you could pick up the disease. And chances are they won't be coming back after, or at least not in the form. You can't go, you won't be able to go up. Uh, to a sloppy sidebar at Ponderosa and slather some gross macaroni and cheese on your plate from a big dish anymore. Well, that, that's the thing. You'll and... have to find out new innovative ways of giving you disgusting food. Um, when when you go to like a gas station or something and and they have like the the soda fountain closed and you can't get like a self serve coffee. Or you can't, like, um, you know, the little hot dogs that are, like, on the rotisserie that are spinning around. Mm. You can't do any of that anymore. But, like, why is it exactly COVID? Like, if that was already gross, why is it specifically (laughs) COVID? Like, that just seems horrifying to me that we ever did that in the first place then. Yeah, I I was going to say, like, my, my best hope is... That it's just COVID was the final death knell for these things. That they were, uh, that people were ready for them to go away, and COVID provided <laughs> an excuse. In the arms of the angels. So far away. My grandfather, um, who passed away a few years ago, or I should say, he died a few years ago, um, but. Whenever I think of buffets, I always think of some how what he used to he used to refer to buffets all the time as a place where you could go to quote bust a gut for five bucks. And yeah. uh, I've always just he my grandfather had a way with words that was <laughs> crass yet witty and. I don't think he ever really fully realized just how clever he was. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was one that always Bust stuck in my head. Busted up for five bucks. I think that's actually CC Pizza, CC's Pizza. Oh, yeah. 
their tagline. <laughs> Zest to get for listen, five bucks. Cece's Pizza is about the only buffet-type restaurant that I actually am a little bit sad to see go because – and it's Ew. it's just nostalgia. But when I was in college, like, we would go drive through the countryside for, like, an hour smoking blunt after blunt and then go to Cece's Pizza and gorge ourselves – CC's uh, got your back for that. for a good a yeah. good value like yeah. on on yeah. the cheap. It was not that bad of pizza, and it was way <laughs> worth the price. Macaroni and cheese pizza. Yes. I'll never them never forgive them for that. That shit was Disgusting. so good. No, and no, and their cinnamon not. rolls were the bomb. Maybe if too. you their cinnamon maybe sticks. if you smoked blunt after blunt after blunt for an hour. And then ate some macaroni and cheese pizza. It'd be good. Yeah, that's but... what. How else would you recommend doing it? No, no way. There's no way I would ever recommend eating macaroni and cheese. Well, there pizza. you go. So, listeners. Anyway. <laughs> um, you know what I would recommend uh, is coming up with a catchphrase. Mm. I strongly recommend coming out of today knowing more than you knew yesterday. Love you. Bye. <laughs>